everybody in that South is kind of bunched up. They, that is the better division still. Uh, four of those five teams with winning records. The North, only Strasburg uh, has a winning record. Everybody else is 500 or worse up there. But that's a very tight division, too. At one through 5 separated by just two games up there. So, Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Joe Deck here with Leland McRae, as usual. And Leland, let's first, before we start diving into what happened last week, let's take a look at the high school year in review. State championships, three of them in this area. Let's start with uh, the one in the fall, Riverheads football. Yeah, I mean, more of the same there. It wasn't a huge surprise. And I think that's the what you will on these first two teams we'll talk about it was going into the season you expected riverheads to get back at least competing for that spot and sure enough they were um they had avenged a loss to lee during the season they avenged a loss to central woodstock they did have a loss to east rock early on in the season and i really think a lot of those changes that happened following that loss where they kind of were exposed weak in a couple areas um, it helped that they had that early loss. It, would, it helped that if they were going to lose to East Rock, it was going to be earlier. It was early in the season rather than later. So they really could adjust their their path and be stronger for it. And I, I'm never one that says a, a loss is good, but they made the most of that loss. So they ended up turning it into a positive with their adjustments. And then when they got in the playoffs, just like they have the last three years, they were just absolutely dominant, just, just killing teams. And... Um, you know, it brings up the argument of of how challenged are they in single A. The region's going to get a little harder this coming year. We'll talk about the future in upcoming weeks. But um, it was a great year for Riverheads football. And, uh, you know, after the season closed out, you thought that was a good sending off for Coach Casto. But he'll be back anyway, uh, despite what the initial plans were. And, and we'll be talking about them next week and the weeks to come about are they going to be able to do four in a row. But, yeah, more of the same yes. out of Riverheads. Yeah, and a collective grown from class one uh, yeah. when he came back. So, yeah. uh, yes is the short answer, but we'll talk about that more. Um, I, I agree. Um, to your point, um, saying you don't like saying any loss is a good loss, but Riverheads made that uh, minimal damage, uh, as I like to say, uh, during baseball season when bases are loaded and you give up a run instead of, you know, a ton of runs. Uh, minimal damage. And... Uh, Riverheads. And it was to that, a good that was team. A, yeah, too. and that, that was, was a game that thing. wasn't close. Yeah. I mean, they got killed by East yeah, Rock, and then they turned around and they killed everybody else on the schedule. So they avenged a loss to Ari Lee this year uh, from the year before. So I, I thought this Riverheads team showed a lot of growth, uh, even though they lost a game this year. They showed a lot of growth from last year or the year before to uh, last year. And you know, Chilawi, bless them. Um, they. Uh, the whole conversation leading up to was how much better they were. And I was just like, yeah, but so is Riverheads. So, um, and, and they got shown that pretty early in that game. So yeah, you know, I, regardless of the competition level in class one, when you win three in a row, you've been to four in a row with the chance to win four in a row next year, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, no matter what the competition level is. So it, it shows the dominance that program has had. <laughs> And, uh, you know, as you said, it, they were expecting it last year. They'll be expecting it this year coming up. So we'll talk about it more later. 
So looking at the other state champion that we had that, and you and I watched them both um, talk about Lee soccer and what they were able to do. Another team that was expected to go deep and then they made it pay off. Yeah, they were expected to go deep. The Shenandoah district, there was nobody in that district that was going to match up to them. And, and they didn't. Ari Lee beat everyone pretty soundly in the district. Uh, they controlled it. They were just vastly superior to everyone else in the Shenandoah. It's not saying the Shenandoah was bad. It's just saying Ari Lee was that much better than everybody else in the district. Uh, Ari Lee got in the region. The one team we knew was going to be a threat was George Mason. In the region championship, George Mason beat him. Now, Ari Lee didn't need to win that game. They were in the States. Uh, They had a bit of a scare in that state quarterfinal, which uh, I'm not going to lie, I was worried uh, when they had a big lead against Maggie Walker, and Maggie Walker shaved it back down, and they needed a last-minute goal to win. Um, But uh, they got that done, and then in the state semifinal, they cruised, and in the state championship, it's the familiar foe, George Mason, uh, meeting five of that class of seniors uh, for the against George Mason. They had split two to two before that, and they win the fifth one. Turns out to be the most important one in their eyes. They win a state championship because of that win in a game they controlled. And and to me, um, I didn't watch them last year. I did watch them this year. It was a team that when they were clicking on all cylinders, you could see the chemistry that those young men had together. And it speaks to the coaching as well. And, and that's another, you know, we talked about Coach Casto in football, but Coach uh, Holmes and Tarani, I believe, and um, at Lee is just really got a good program there at Lee. You mentioned it. He's going to lose a lot. And I don't think state championship is a realistic goal next year for RE Lee soccer or Stanton soccer like it is for Riverheads football. But I think this team could very much, you know, they should be expected to get into the region tournament and make some noise when they're in there. If they get to the region championship, I think that's, you know, that's the pinnacle for this team. I think a state quarterfinal appearance is probably the pinnacle. But, uh, you know, I think it's a team that is not decimated to the point where next year is going to be a bad year for them. And we have Matt Cullen as our guest coming up. And, and what Lee was able to do, kind of knocking on the door year after year, and then they were able to pay off with a state championship. But that collection of talent that they had come through all in one class, all at one time, it just really got to pay off and got them to that state championship. And where Wilson wasn't able to capitalize, Lee was. But I, I just want to see how it compares now after that collection talent leaves and goes on. If Lee's able to stay at a high level or if they drop off more than maybe expected. So uh, that's what you're fighting. If you're Lee soccer now, you're fighting that somewhat of an expectation from everybody else thinking, oh, well, they lost their D1 soccer player. They lost this, uh, these two college soccer players. You got to, you got to fight against that and prove that you, you learn something from those guys ahead of you and, and step up there. So that's what I'll be watching for this coming year for Lee soccer. And so for the other state champion, uh, the Stewart Straft High School cheerleading, and and it's our fault that we have no uh, more analysis for the competition cheer. I will say, when remembering Stewart Straft cheerleaders, I do remember them being loud and um, uh, engaging at the football games on their sideline cheer. So I'll give them credit there. But I never went into a competition cheer squad. But 
that shows the hard work and dedication that that school puts into their athletic program. And that's what I take away from that is a standard being set at that school and that those girls were able to achieve that goal. And it's hard to win those competition cheer uh, state championships. I know Wilson won one about five years ago, I think. And uh, they don't come around all the time, but it shows the level that all the teams in this area hold themselves to where it doesn't matter what sport you're playing in this area, the goal state champion, it's not to win the Shenandoah district title. It's not to come out of region B it's to win a state championship. And I think that collection of teams that we've talked about there, including the, uh, the cheer squad there, it shows that level in our area and, and how fortunate we are to have so many good teams competing at a high level. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. Leland. And that's a great point. Uh, again, three state champions in this area is a lot for a, any given area in the state, uh, especially at the one and two a level, uh, Augusta County, very, very lucky to have these kind of programs. And, you know, there are some that we didn't mention that also had good years, uh, and we'll expect more out of them next year. Uh, moving on to the Valley and the Valley baseball league, the South is getting crowded, uh, one through five, <laughs> all within half a game of each other. Now, uh, a bunch of teams, uh, at 10 and seven, Charlottesville, Waynesboro, Covington, Stanton are 11 and eight Harrisonburg, 10 and eight. Uh, all the teams got rained out the night we're recording on Monday. So that will be the record heading into Tuesday. Um, but Stanton had a rough week, uh, last week, two and three. Uh, they lost to Waynesboro again. Um, they lost their first <laughs> game of the year to Harrisonburg, uh, who, by the way, you might remember us saying they were about to be left for dead. Uh, Harrisonburg last week and they all of a fire. sudden they've won eight of nine I think it is now so the Turks are the hottest team in the valley uh, they are climbing up the standings Waynesboro they were four and two last week to put them to ten and seven overall but Andrew Check of Stanton keeps yeah. hitting that big bat uh, he is mashing the ball I think the Braves put up uh, this weekend they had uh, tweet five of their hitters are over 300 of course for Stanton the offense hasn't been the issue it's been the pitching they gave up five plus in every game this week yeah, and, and they need to clean that up, but at least the hitting's there. And uh, you can also see on some of their games there have been some comebacks. So it, it seems like you don't usually see good comebacks from teams that aren't bonding or, or playing as a team and working off each other because you need that momentum to build off each other in a, in a comeback like that. So it's a good sight to see, but the pitching's got to get better. They just got to figure out a way to make that happen. I don't know if more pitchers in a game. I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I haven't analyzed them well enough to know that answer, but they, they got to find a way to get more, to give up less runs and, and make it easier on their offense to win some games. And, you know, another pitch uh, on behalf of the Valley league, which is unsolicited from them. But uh, if you're wondering, should I go out and watch one of these games? How good are these guys? They, there is a college summer baseball, uh, organization that ranks all these wooden bat teams look I, i'm not gonna lie to you it's not the best wooden bat league in the country but it's in right in that second tier to me the cape cod is above and beyond the best in the country yeah. so if you're ever up in cape cod and you have a chance to get one of those games by all means do those guys are definitely going to play at the next level i believe the top three teams were all from the cape cod but after that is when you start seeing the shuffling of the leagues uh of everybody else the Strasburg express the number 13 team in the country here right now uh, and they're a very good baseball team this summer in the Valley, obviously. Um, but then you look at these teams that the uh, other teams in the Valley might not have been ranked there in the inaugural rankings this year. But I guarantee you, as the summer goes on, if Waynesboro, Stanton, 
uh, Harrisonburg keeps doing what they're doing. These teams are going to move up and they're going to be ranked high. Uh, there is not a bad team in the South right now. So if you're in Augusta County, you're watching teams in the South more times than not. Uh, There is not a bad team in the South. You should be going out to those games any chance you get. And speaking of that, Stanton Waynesboro play Wednesday. There might be some Yak Sports guys at that that game that night. So look out for that. Um, But a good chance to catch the rivalry that is Stanton versus Waynesboro. The only time I was at a Valley League game where a policeman had to pay attention to what I was doing was a Stanton Waynesboro game. So it's a it's a heated rivalry. I've never had a policeman monitor my activities at a Valley Baseball League game, Leland. I was having a good time. All right, let's move on to World Cup soccer. The women beat Sweden the other day to win the um, group, and then they moved on and they played Spain and they beat them two to one, and that was two penalty kicks. Yeah, the first one, okay. That was a penalty. The second one, which actually ended up being the game winner uh, in about the 75th or 76th minute, I got to be honest, it's not a penalty in my mind. That's that's not a penalty. I thought we got lucky with that call. Uh, if that had been given the other way, I would have been livid. Um, uh, I was not impressed. Um, we we once, were the better once she team. Once went to the VAR, I thought it was done. Oh, I like, thought it was I mean, done. And I, I don't like, know. And look, I, I, if you've watched the Women's <laughs> World Cup, the lady that is not there at the game and is the one in the studio that's the rules expert, she she is always giving the official the benefit of the doubt. It's always whatever the official said, which maybe she is a real referee then. I don't know. but I, And she's always pro-U.S., which, I mean, I, look, I'm from the United States. I I'm not upset that we won this game, but I also have my own eyes and it's hard for me to look at that. What happened and the color commentator is actually doing her job. She's being impartial, which I appreciate. Yeah. And she's sitting there and she's like, look, that's not a foul. That's not a penalty. And it wasn't the Sweden game. We got a bailed out on one there too, because Carly Lloyd was in an offside position when that defender played the ball and they said, Oh, well, you know, the girl who scored it, Tobin Heath, wasn't in an offside position. I'm like, yeah, well, the defender wouldn't have had to play that, though, if Carly Lloyd, who wasn't an offside position, hadn't been there. So that goal should have been, we should only won that game one nothing. and who knows what happens if Sweden's not down two and they keep pushing and pushing and pushing. But, look, the U.S. cannot complain about any officiating in this no. World Cup. We have gotten every single call, in my opinion. Uh, we play France, who I think is the second-best team in this tournament on Friday. Yeah. Uh, I went into this game today thinking we are going to walk all over Spain and then we're going to walk all over France who didn't look great against Brazil. But now I'm worried because I think Brazil's yeah. better than Spain and we and we should still be playing Spain. It should be an extras or penalties should have decided that match. It shouldn't be 2-1 us in regulation because, I again, I that was not a penalty and I really, really don't understand how, like you said, once they went to VAR, I don't understand how they came up with that decision. I my big thing I took away from that game is if we play anything like that against France, we're done. Oh, we're done. It's over. And um, so I'm nervous about Friday's game, three o'clock on Fox or FS1. And um, I I'll be watching, but I'm going to be pretty worried, and I'm going to want to see our A game from the very start of that. I know we've been scoring girl goals early. I think it's even more important Friday to just get on the board early and so that we can take the crowd out momentum. of them. Take the crowd out of it. This tournament and, is in France. It's in yeah. the Parc de Prince, which is in Paris. That's going to be a very loud pro-France crowd. These really crowds loud. have been pro-U.S. so far. This one is not going to be. Yeah, so you're playing an away game against a team that's 
I mean, pretty comparable talent wise. I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to say they're more talented, but maybe even, or maybe just a notch off, but very similarly talented and maybe one of the toughest teams that's left in the tournament and you're playing them this game. So you, you have a lot to play for in this game. And it, and if you start messing around and depending on penalty kicks, getting awarded to you, you're not going to win this game. So Hopefully they come out firing. We we know they're a very good team and they're capable of better than what we saw in that game against Spain. We just need to see it early on Friday to to keep that optimism through that throughout that ninety minutes. And and we'll see what happens tomorrow. But right now Spain is the only European side to lose. Sweden beat Canada, which was a little bit of a shock in my opinion. Uh, and other than that, Europe has won. The European team has won every quarterfinal match they've been in. So right now, USA is the only team not from Europe still alive. Uh, Japan still plays, but they're playing the Netherlands, who are a really good team this year. So we'll see what happens there. Before we shift off of soccer, I do want to mention the men winning 6 nothing against Trinidad and Tobago in the Gold Cup. Um, it's Dude. a group game. Uh, don't start poo-pooing it, Leland. Um, no, you it's a, would. It's kind of if a big deal. Soccer, if it wasn't soccer, you would. If it was, if it's Alabama beating Vanderbilt in football and you're like, you would never say, oh, well, they beat them the way they should. And that's what I got to text from you. They, they, they beat them the way they should. That means something. Good sign. I don't care. Beat somebody good and then I'll get, I'll care. Well, when this same team knocked you out of the World Cup, they knocked him out of the World Cup. The two years ago, uh, it's kind of a big deal because it shows progression. I hadn't seen this U.S. team look this good all all campaign, so they finally looked like an actual soccer team. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Redskins fan, like, oh, we we beat the Giants. Things are looking good now. Oh, we have a quarterback this season. Everything's going to be good. No, like. Maybe smile, maybe know, hey, things are headed the right direction. You sound like me with Virginia Tech, taking little positives. And, like, I don't know why all of a sudden on men's U.S. soccer, you are a Leland type of fan about it. Because it's inconsistent the way you look at everything else. And I think I've been trained now to to uh, by you to look at this more pessimistically. And you sound like me with Virginia Tech football where you're blazing past. I don't care that they beat Trinidad six to nothing. I don't care. I really don't care. I'm glad they won. I'm glad they didn't lose it. I'm glad it's not another disappointment, but I'm not drawing much from that because when they go play a world cup quality team and they get their butts beat, I'm going to, I'm not going to be happy. And, and I don't know why you're searching for this happiness out of a win over a lesser team. All of a sudden, when you could do that every week in the fall against our horrible schedule for tech football and be, be a much happier person. Because in soccer, teams don't generally win 6-0. I know you're getting spoiled by the women's team oh, who beats Thailand 13 nothing. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> there's a little bit of a gulf in talent between the very best and the very worst in women's. That gulf of talent isn't that large in the men's usually, so a 6 nothing win is big no matter who you're playing. Just to admit um, to me that you're being an inconsistent fan about no, this. No, because Team USA's it's men's hard. team is also very much younger. This is a very young squad. And what I saw from this team last time out was... A dumpster fire. I saw them lose to Jamaica 1-0, and I saw them lose to uh, Venezuela 3-0. So I was very much worried about what I was walking into here into the Gold Cup. They beat Guyana in a game that I, even though it was 4-0, I didn't love it because I thought we didn't play well. This game, we actually looked good. Christian Pulisic um, is amazing. He is the future of U.S. soccer. He looked it on the pitch. He has not been the problem, but he looked even better 
than he had played, in my opinion, the entire time in a USA I, jersey. So it, it kind of matters. Um, I'm just not going to take your I just feel like you're taking more out of this game than you should and that you would for any other sport, any other team that you're a fan of. And for for a guy that shows up every four years and this isn't one of those four years, I just I'll care when they qualify for the cup or when they are beating teams that where it really is a signal of, hey, they're going to qualify for the World Cup. This game didn't do that. So I'm, I'm happy it's not a negative to talk about. I think getting I to a care. Gold Cup final would be a stage of, hey, they're probably going to make US it to a World won Cup. won the Gold Cup before and look where it got us to. Yeah, but that was a bunch of older MLS players. The less MLS players I see on the roster, the happier I'll be. That's that's a fair point. All right, NBA draft. Last week, admittedly, I kind of underplayed how high DeAndre Hunter would go. He went number four. That's great for him, great for the UVA basketball program to say, hey, we put a number four guy up there. Good job. Is that all the credit I need to give him? All right, so to Tech, where I care more about it, admittedly, he went 17 to the Pelicans. I like that. Um, it's cool that he'll be there with Zion. There will be a lot of eyes on that team, and so I like that he went there. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think uh, it'll be opportunity to see him play and grow. That's what he's going to have to do. He's not ready to go out there and start dominating people because he wasn't doing that at Virginia Tech. But everybody thinks he has a lot of upside. He's going to get a lot better. So I am all for it, and, and I want him to be an all-star because that would just mean Virginia Tech produced an NBA all-star. Do I think that's really going to happen? No, but I want him to be in the league for as long as he can so we can keep pointing to the guy from Tech in the NBA. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I agree. I'm not, you're not wrong. It's just I don't care, um, I guess is the larger <laughs> point. Uh, like if Nikhil Alexander-Walker succeeds or fails, I'm not going to lose sleep over it either way. Justin Robinson going to the Wizards. Um, also, I guess we should mention that Ty Jerome got drafted 24 by the Suns, so two first-round picks for UVA. And Kyle and Guy got drafted yeah. uh, by the Kings. Uh, but Justin Robinson going to the Wizards is cool because it's a local guy. Wizards yep. need to sell tickets. That's one way to help him, I guess, if he makes the team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I guess all of these guys, I don't really care heads or tails what they do in the NBA. Um, I, I care more about Justin Robinson just because he plays for the Wizards. But, um, yeah, I just don't care. Um, I, right now I'm focused on Kerry Blackshear coming back to Virginia tech. So that's about the extent of my basketball worries, which by the way, if we're going to talk about, let's talk about NBA and you know, if that has anything to do with it, does he think more scouts are watching the ACC or conference USA or SEC or whatever goof? I mean, everybody I'm hearing says it's Tennessee or Kentucky is his two other choices. I, I think he's better in the ACC and I think he can be a team leader on an ACC team is much better for him. He's not going to play at Kentucky. I can tell him that he's going to be lost in the crowd at Kentucky and Tennessee. He'll get playing time, but they're going to, I suck. mean, and they're a decent, they're a good team. They were a good team last year. I, I would just stay, man, just, just stay, but I I'm biased. I'm really interested to see that, that, that decision come out because it needs to quickly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I would like to think that the longer it takes him to decide, the better it is for Virginia Tech because he's probably thinking what he knows is safer. Um, but uh, who knows? I, I don't know what these kids are thinking. So, I mean, you have to think that he's looking at what our new coach is doing and the recruiting that he's been doing. He's pulling guys in. He's getting guys on the roster for next year 
that are worth something. He's getting other post players. He's doing a great job recruiting. I don't think we could ask for him to do any better, you know, realistically ask for him to do any better. Yeah, it'd be great to get like five All-Americans, uh, McDonald's All-Americans, but we're not Duke or Kentucky. So I'm I'm completely happy with what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, I'm not was. upset you with think, the coaching. Yeah. You think he could look at that and say, hey, there's going to be some guys around me that are young, but they're, they're talented. I can go there, still be a leader, and we can still make some noise, you know. You go to Kentucky, I guess he's chasing a rain and he's going to win on the back of McDonald's All-Americans. And if he goes to Tennessee, maybe he thinks he can win a rain there, but I don't know. I don't I don't I wouldn't assume that, but just come to Tech, be on you're going to be on TV a lot. You're playing Duke, you're playing UNC. Come be a leader for a team instead of going and and fitting in somewhere else. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think he's got depth at Virginia Tech, which is something we haven't had, right? So he's had to play every minute that he's not been in foul trouble at Tech just because we don't have anybody that can we can play under Buzz. We yeah. have size now that we can play and give him some rest. Uh, at Kentucky, yeah, he'll be part of the depth. He won't be the starter with depth behind him. He'll be the depth. He's not going to play at Kentucky. Tennessee, yeah. maybe he plays, uh, but I think Tennessee is going to disappear. Uh, I think now that Admiral Schofield's gone, I think they're going to disappear. We will see. I want to talk real quick about NCAA football. The big news of the weekend, UConn dropping out of the American Athletic Conference, you know, because you can't win a national championship at that conference. But anyway, uh, everybody in this area seemed to grasp on to does that make a spot for JMU in the American Athletic Conference? And where I don't necessarily think it creates a spot for them in that conference, it might create a spot for them where a D1 invitation could come and maybe more like the Conference USA, which I think would be a pretty decent fit for them. Yeah, it might have been a chance to get in the AAC if we had gone last time instead of thumbing our noses up at the Sun Belt and Conference USA the last time out. But um, we chose to not do that because we're better than them, apparently. And uh, so now we're not in position to move up to the AAC, which, again, if you're just listening and you don't quite grasp how conference realignment works, you don't typically go from FCS to the American. Uh, you usually have to go through Conference USA or the Sun Belt or the MAC first. But um, this is going to be an education for those people. You need to go to the Conference <laughs> USA when the AAC picks a Conference USA team. You need to go to Conference USA so the next time the ACC expands or the Big Ten expands or the SEC expands, you can be in line to move into the AAC or one of these other conferences. You need to put yourself in position for the next domino. Jamie, you didn't do that last time, so now they're going to have to settle for Conference USA, I think is right in your opinion, because I, I would imagine they're going to look at the um, uh, the American is going to look at Conference USA and pick out of there. Um, maybe they take a team from the MAC. Yeah, which, they're the MAC, yeah. If they take a team from the MAC and the MAC comes calling, you would be foolish not to jump in there. Um, but Conference USA, I think, geographically has more interest for JMU fans because it brings ODU back into the mix. Uh, so, And UNC Charlotte, who was flirting with Coach Houston. Um, but I don't know how much bad blood is there or not there uh, with JMU fans. But I think that's probably the most realistic option is Conference USA or the MAC if JMU gets an invite. Uh, JMU needs to put a package together. They need to be getting ready now. That you can't wait until the other school leaves the other conference to start getting prepared. You need to be getting ready now. Hopefully they are, but if I know JMU's athletic department, probably not. I, I think either either conference, if they were looking at JMU, they're going to like that D.C. market that JMU can tout. 
Um, it's right in the middle of their footprints. I, I think they're oh, absolutely. I think JMU's they, attractive. It's just a question of if JMU wants to go. Yeah, they need to want to go. I mean, I, I agree. We've always agreed about this, so not an argument there. But see the reaction um, to the Flow Sports DLC, uh, JMU. Eh. Well, <laughs> you know who's not part of Flow Sports? The MAC and Conference USA. Yeah, get in those conferences and be on ESPN, where someone doesn't have to log in to see your conference games happen. All right, let's move over to baseball. The story of our local teams or the teams that we follow a little bit closer, the Nats have looked better. I'm not saying they look great, but they've looked better in the last probably two weeks. Um, They did fall twice to the Braves this past weekend, but they were scoring some runs in the process, giving a little bit of hope to the Nats fans. But like I've already accused you of treating something else like a Redskins fans, I think a lot of Nats fans are Redskins fans too. And so they're taking the little bit of positive and trying to turn it into a lot they're not making the playoffs. I just, I'm not going to stand in a conversation like that, but it may be not as bad as it was looking there a month ago. It's not as bad as it was a month ago. And you, you know, you never know what they do at the deadline or what they don't do at the deadline. Um, I, I agree. I don't think they're going to have the horses to get into the postseason because I just think somebody like Colorado or, you know, the three teams in the central between the Cubs, Brewers, and Cardinals, I think they're all probably better than them. Uh, and I think I think that's where your two teams come out of is from the central, both wild card spots. Uh, but the Braves are running away with this division now. The Phillies have fallen by the wayside, uh, and it's hilarious because now they're kind of realizing Bryce Harper maybe wasn't worth all that money, which, surprise. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love watching the Phillies free fall, and – Therefore, watching the Braves rise and run away with this thing, um, that's pretty cool. The Nats are playing better. Their bullpen is their Achilles heel. And their manager, uh, they're not good. They don't have a good manager. They don't have a good bullpen. They don't have a good GM, in my opinion. Um, So, uh, look, I got into this debate. Um, So let's go ahead and talk about the Orioles, too, because they're 1-9 in their last 10. They broke a 10-game losing streak against the Mariners. But, yeah, great win. Um. And the USA Today wrote another article about how terrible the Orioles are and how it's funny to laugh at the Orioles and how bad they are. And, like, I get it, all right? The Orioles are bad. Let's all make fun of them. They're terrible. They're the worst team in the history of baseball, whatever. We're in a full rebuild, right? And one of the people who commented on the post is a Nats fan. It was like, well, you know, Peter Angelo selling off all those people made me leave and become a Nats fan. Cool. Since the big sell-off that everyone's talking about in the big mid-90s, the Orioles have had more playoff wins than the Nationals. So what's your excuse? We've had big sell-offs, and we're still better than you. So now what's your excuse for being a Nats fan, other than you're a loser? <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this argument. I mean, I would say, at least for the last decade, I'd probably, just on the surface of thinking back, I'd probably take being a Nats fan, because there has been continual competitiveness and these terrible seasons that the Orioles have had are pretty rough to, to experience, even as not an Orioles fan, but you make a good point. If you've had more playoff wins over the period yeah, of time we, that they we've done something about, the nationals have never point. done. It's called win a playoff series. Were, how many years ago were those or those playoff wins? Uh, this century. What? Like 11, like, 2011 2012 2014 was it 2014 that seems that was the ALCS year that was the year we went to the ALCS we've done something the Nationals have never done it's called win a playoff series 
<laughs> I mean, that's a good point. I, I guess I'm a prisoner of the moment and that the fact that the Nationals have been, you feel like they're on the brink the last four years is sticking with me more. But, I mean, the Orioles probably have a good future, but it's not tomorrow's future. It's the day after tomorrow's probably. So Okay, so it, what do the Nats have? Because that's a, team, that's a team that was supposed to be competitive this year. So what do the Nats have? Yeah. The Nats, Mets, and Phillies all are underachieving in that division. And uh, at I least guess the Phillies are young. Uh, what's the up. Nats excuse? They're just bad. They're bad. And I got a little more on that later, but they're, they're, they aren't, they aren't great. Uh, the general talk here, the Yankees have been good and they're only going to get better with all the guys they have coming yeah, back. The Indians have been on a little bit of a run here. They made up two games in the twins, but I'm not reading a whole lot into that. But the Dodgers, eight and two over the last 10, this weekend, an exciting weekend, three uh, walk-off home runs, all hit by rookies. First time that's ever happened in Major League Baseball history. But, I mean, what a time! What if you were in town to watch the Dodgers play for the weekend and all you saw was walk-off victories? That's just, that's fun. That's a fun stat. It's fun highlights each night coming out of there. Um, I just thought that was a cool stat, a cool thing that happened over the weekend. It was pretty cool. Um, another th- cool thing that happened was Albert Pujols going back to St. Louis oh, for the first nice. time since he left, getting a standing ovation, and that's cool. And I think part of that also, because now there's – so here's the other debate with the Orioles playing the Padres. What do Orioles fans do to Manny? If Orioles fans want to boo Manny, that's fine. He took a cheap shot on the way out. Uh, that's fine. I don't care about Manny. Um, I would boo Manny just for being Manny. So Yeah, and there's some people saying, you can't boo Manny for everything that he did. We're like, uh, We got no rings out of it, so if they want to boo him, that's cool. Um and then, but Albert Pujols has had, oh gosh, I don't even know how many years since he played for the Cardinals. So it's a, one of those things where time yeah, is healed. And the Cardinals have won World Series, I believe, since he left. They it, chose not to pay him. Yeah, the same could be said about the Orioles. But um, uh, the Cardinals have had success without Albert Pujols. It's been a very long time. So I think that has a lot to do with why he gets a standing ovation and is honored by that franchise versus what Manny's going to be walking into one, not even a whole year removed from the organization. I do like how baseball gets things right. And and of course the fans in St. Louis are going to get it right. That got right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they applaud him. They like, you know, they give him his moment and each day they basically give him, it's like each crowd came in with their opportunity to honor Pujols. And there was hugging from the Molina, the catcher and him and, um, acknowledgement by the bench over there. You know, it was cool. He homered and the and the as the away team, and then the and then the St. Louis crowd applauded him. It was just cool. Now, I guess it's easier if you win that game to to be happy about it. But it was cool that they did that, and uh, you have to like it. Now, it's probably good they play now and not September in a pennant race or something like that. But it was cool to see, and um, I liked Pujols. I liked him when he came up, and he was so good. I, I know he had some some rumors surrounding him, but I, I have always liked the way he played, and he's not terribly flashy flashy and everything. I, I always like pull holes. Yeah, and if I may, real quick, circle back to your Indians being eight and two. It you don't read into it from a division standpoint, but it does get him back in the wild card race. That's fine, and that's fine, and that's good. Yeah, I I'm, I was moving there, quick now. It's between them, Boston, Texas, Oakland. Those are your Boston. So Boston's relevant, huh? For the time being, not for long. Yeah, not I just want to go back. Uh, not I told when David Price and Chris July. Sale. Not when David Price and Chris Sale get done with them, they won't be. 
I told you they'd be relevant in July. I'm going to find the clip, and it's going to be an open into one of the next podcasts. It's not July yet. All right. NCAA baseball. You Michigan, one of the teams you picked. Good job. They're playing Vandy, so I'm rooting for Michigan. Yeah. Hail to the victors. Uh, let's beat Vanderbilt. Can't have the SEC winning. Oh, that would be disgusting. There you go. Well, let's get out of here, and let's get to the B block with Matt Cullen. And this week on Yak Sports, we have Mac Cullen, former Wilson Memorial High School standout and JMU football star as well. And Mac, let's start there. Your time at JMU. Talk about just the football aspect and being a part of that very successful program. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, uh, yeah, but I had a great time at James Madison. Um, I was lucky enough to have a lot of success there um, as a team. Um, and then I started gaining some ground, um, individually towards the end of things, um, went, went on to win a national championship there. Um, I was a national, uh, runner up as well the, the year following. Um, and overall it was just a great time. Met a lot of great new friends that I'll have, um, for the rest of my life. Um, and a lot of great, great coaches as well. Mac, from a JMU standpoint, I kind of want to ask you now uh, kind of a student life question. Um, being a Madison grad myself, what what was your favorite dining hall and uh, for the JMU <laughs> football players? I mean, I, I my guess would be D Hall, but I mean, I, I want to see if there's a different answer. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd be surprised. Uh, a lot of us really ventured away from the the main buffet style dining halls um person personally i was a big um a big dukes fan and top dog um over there right now it's under construction to be redone but uh that was a hot spot for a lot of us just because we were on the hillside um part of campus a lot uh that's where our freshman dorms were so that was what's what was closest to us and we could always go over there and get a quick bite to eat we didn't really have time to go through the whole buffet style of things um in between classes and practice and things like that so um probably dukes and uh over on east campus festival that was another top one for us oh very nice okay yeah i I was gonna say i was more of a festival guy myself but um (laughs) you know you talked briefly about the national championships Talk about what it was like. I mean, Coach Houston was there, and, you know, obviously now he's not. But when he came in, there were already a lot of expectations uh, from the Withers era, and then Coach Houston comes in, and you guys take off and win a national championship, get very close to another one. Uh, Was there any doubt, uh, I guess, in that first time you were there against Youngstown State, uh, was there any doubt that you guys could win in the fashion that you did? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think we had any doubt about it. Uh, we knew what we were capable of. Um, and Coach Houston coming in, I mean, really just flipped a switch with us. I mean, really, we didn't have anybody too new to the program or anything like that. Um, and we had a lot of the key guys coming back from when Coach Withers was there with us my my freshman year. Um, and But there was just something that I guess was missing on the mental side of things and 
and uh, we got a lot of great experience from experienced coaching uh, that came in with Coach Houston that, that I think helped helped us focus in on the mental aspect of the game and helped us take our play to the next level. Um, so going in, uh, we went into every every game confident. I'm sure you guys have seen um, the pregame speeches by Coach Houston. I mean, that's like pretty much a cinematic adventure right there. <laughs> uh, every single game. Uh, but yeah, he really got us used up to go out there and do our best. And, uh, and we always believed that we were going to be the best team out there that day. If you, you know, we'll talk about what you're doing now, but if you were sitting in a position with a high school player that um, was was looking to go to JMU and, and, and good enough to go to JMU and play, you know, what is one piece of advice that you'd kind of give them right at the beginning uh, about the process and about what it takes to play at that level? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people will overlook the FCS programs um, but really, I mean, the competition's the same, if not better sometimes. Um, I mean, you've, you've seen us go out and play teams like ECU, uh, play close game with NC State last year, uh, close game with UNC a couple years ago. Um, and of course, beat Tech. Uh, I can't let that one slide. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, the, the FCS schools, the competition's uh, right up there with FBS schools. Um, so going into JMU, you're in one of the top programs in the country, um, in both, both divisions. So, uh, I mean, it's just the family atmosphere. Uh, that's what you're getting into. A lot of the guys, it's, it's a big melting pot in the uh, locker room and everybody just, uh, rallies along each other and, uh, really pushes each other. So that's, that's the kind of program we're getting into with James Madison. When you went to those national championship games, and uh, one one question I would try to ask you is, you know, what is like one moment or or one event that happened at the national championship games? You know, was it that moment of victory where the confetti's flying everywhere, or was it something building up to it, or or even coming home? What was the one moment around the national championship, or even the national championship loss that you'll really take away and and probably remember first when you think about that yeah i mean going out to the national championship i i mean i'll always remember um who i was running towards uh, when the when the last couple seconds ticked off the clock uh, before we won that game uh me and riley stapleton are standing on the sideline geared up to run out run out to brandon ravenel out there on the field and and that, that was that was just a great moment um, and then, uh, of course, the fans stormed the field, and it, it was really like a movie. Like, there was no explaining everything that happened that day. Okay, Mac, uh, I got to ask you, um, and I won't put any commentary in here, but I just want to know your opinion as a former player at JMU. Um, what do you think of the debate on if JMU should move up to FBS if they get an invite from a conference at that level? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as a student athlete, uh, you put a lot of thought into things like that. Um, and personally, in my opinion, uh, I think we're ready. Um, and I, I think I know that uh, Jeff Bourne has talked about um, we still have stuff to prove in FCS. And, and that is true. But, I mean, 
as a school as a whole, I think it would benefit a lot of the different programs. Um, I mean, you have successful programs in, in women's softball um, and women's basketball and programs like that alongside with us. And a lot of the other programs are picking up speed. Um, I mean, we're, we're winning CAA championships, um, just every, every other sport. Um, that you can think of. Um, and I think moving into to a conference like that um, would really help the program from the standpoint of recruiting um, and things like that. Uh, I think we would get the right pieces in place to make a run at, uh, at, a, at a good conference like that and be middle ground and build our way up to, to competing at that, that top tier of, of that whatever conference would uh, would take us um i know with the talk about yukon um moving back mm-hmm. to the big east opens up a spot um in the same conference as ecu so that would that would be pretty uh <laughs> if it came to football but <laughs> but yeah I, I mean i think i think we're ready uh all around and i think it would be great for the city of harrisonburgers I agree with you. I know I said I wasn't going to provide any commentary, but that was more of a cover if you didn't agree with me. Um, (laughs) I I agree with you. And I've said it multiple times on this podcast. It's not going to be a surprise to anybody who's listened, but I think you're right. I think financially, too, it would benefit uh, the school's athletic program. I like the way he answered it, though, a lot better than the way you spout off about it, Joe. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little more opinionated on it. Yeah. All right, I'm. Uh, I want to jump back. Uh, you know, when you were in high school, you played at Wilson Memorial, and uh, we all know on the podcast, I'm the um, resident Riverheads homer. And uh, man, that was a great time in that Riverheads Wilson rivalry. Then talk about some of the memories you had and and all those big games against Riverheads uh, that you guys had. Talk about some of those rivalry moments and uh that you had specifically uh while you were playing for wilson yeah um no doubt it, it was definitely a crazy rivalry all a bunch of great games uh to think of uh but starting out freshman year um against riverheads the um my freshman year the power went out actually before the game and we were waiting for it to come back on we were the, the way this rivalry is set up to where it it's super competitive. They were even thinking about lining the track with, with cars or, yep. or, and, and lighting up the field with headlights to get this game played. So um, I remember back sitting in the locker room, um, Ricky Hanger, who was our middle linebacker at the time, um, said a prayer with us um, and just kind of kept us in, in the right state of mind uh, for this game. He was very confident that this game was going to be played that night, um, and I and I always remember um, we were sitting there in, in the dark locker room since there was no power, and we heard a beep from I guess an auxiliary light that came on, and next thing you know the whole the whole locker room's going crazy because uh, we get to play this game, and both teams always come out fired up for that game, um, and we ended up losing that year. Uh, it was a pretty close game going into the third or fourth quarter. Um, but a lot of great talent out on that field. Jordan Jack. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lo- Logan Moore. Yep. Um, Mike Herndon. Um, you guys were loaded, too. I mean, you're, you're, you're saying names on the red side. Yeah, you, 
think of all the guys on your side. Yeah, I mean, Connor Swift, Malik Rucks, yeah, um, Grant Sauer, um, D1 talent over there, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I remember one of my biggest memories, and, and correct me where I mess up any of my memories because I wasn't actually playing, I was just up in the press box calling on radio or, or stuff like that. I remember you were hurt one year, and I think you either you, I guess you didn't play, or maybe you or did you you didn't play quarterback. Yeah, sophomore year, um, I I played in that first game at Riverheads. Yeah, and then the second game in the playoffs, um, I had broken my thumb uh, yeah. towards the end of the regular season uh, playing against Page County. Um, so um, I had a club on my hand in the beginning of the postseason. Um, and then I actually got it to where I was playing with a, actually a metal, like a makeshift metal, um, plate in that I wore in my glove, uh, to help brace my thumb from having any contact, um, while playing, um, because I always wanted to play whether I was with a club on or, or with that metal, um, brace in my glove. Um, and they actually, I couldn't throw with my with my throwing hand without my thumb popping in and out. So um, I split out wide to wide receiver. Yeah. Um, Brandy Gokanara actually took yeah. over the role at quarterback. And that was my argument at the time. I, I mean, you had played so well against Riverheads, and, and you were playing great all season. And that was my argument was, I mean, they got to be worse at quarterback. There's no way they have another great quarterback on their team. And then sure enough, that kid played so well that night. And I, and I mean, I'm not – trying to bring you down it by any means in that but you you're such a good team atmosphere that you guys had that year where it was all right we have an injury we're throwing mac out there we're putting gokenauer in here and you guys were still awesome yeah i mean that was that that's something that i've heard growing up in the high school level and the college level is that next man up mentality and luckily brandon was there to to help us out and help lead us to victory uh during the playoffs and while i was out that was a crazy, awesome game too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both both those games, both uh, both the Riverheads games that year, um, and the Storch Draft games were pretty crazy as well. We yeah. we played Riverheads Storch Draft the game after that, I believe. So talk. I, I've focused on the Riverhead stuff just because that's the games I know I saw from you play. I also called a game on the radio, the state championship for you guys on the radio. Talk about maybe just some more memories from high school that really stand out to you is it the state championship game is it the state semifinal that you know clinched your way there talk about some of that stuff yeah i mean that that senior year was definitely a crazy one um we always seem to get to the state semifinals every year and not get over that hump and, and it was usually with uh playing goochland in the postseason we we couldn't ever get past them uh, the first three years um and luckily, we didn't we didn't have to play them the the fourth year. Um, but I'm I'm sure we might have got over that hump that year. But um, we played Richland, uh, which was a really good team um, in that state semifinal game, and and that was that might have been one of the craziest games I played in um, at Wilson Memorial. Um, they they had an incredible fan base that traveled really well, um, and they wanted to. I remember the week going into it, they wanted to buy more tickets than our fans uh, for the pre-sale and, and kind of show us out. But um, 
it was it was a great turnout by by both fan groups. And I remember going out to that game, going out in the overtime. It was kind of a rainy day. Um, it was a pretty muddy game, and and uh, they got the ball first, I think, in the overtime, uh, and ended up throwing an interception to Hunter Carr, who was having a tremendous year for us. And um, and then we went out. I remember being huddled up with um, Coach Major and Jaquan McCauley and Swan Swift, and we were just talking about w- what play we wanted to go with, and everybody's just kind of following through the playbook and trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And I was just like, why don't we just go with our the bread and butter and what we've been used to um, with our power right play that we had that that we um, I mean got so much success off of. Uh, with Savant Swift, so uh, we ended up going with that, and the hole was opened up for him, and he found the pay dirt and and got us into that state championship game, and that was that was probably the best way I wanted to go out of my high school career at on that field um, is doing a dog pile to go to the state championship game. That's awesome. Well, Mac, I want to talk to you now about what you're doing now. Um, you know, now you're helping with Wilson football. Uh, tell people about what you're doing these days. Yeah, so um, I'm helping out with uh, Coach Major and, and the team. Um, I've I just always wanted to um, give back to that program the way it's it's given to me. Um, and I'm, I'm also working a full-time job with a company called Burlington Medical doing medical sales. Um, so whenever I can get over there to help those guys out, um, obviously we're not in the season right now, but, uh, they, they just got back from a camp up in Pennsylvania, getting ready for the year and kind of fine tuning things as much as they can during the summer, um, with the rules, the way they are. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good season for the Hornets. Um, I know it's, it's kind of falling off. Um, but we're, we're, we're definitely yeah. getting things. They miss uh, you a little back bit to the way they are. They miss What's you a little bit that? there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Coach Major's getting the right the right kids in there. I think the biggest thing uh, with us is is getting the right kids that that want to come out and play football and compete um, with with their friends and stuff. Because because those are the best memories that you have growing up in in high school is going out on Friday nights, and uh, we just need to get that back as a good tradition there in Fishersville. Well. Good luck with your helping with the team there, and I'm glad you're giving back. That's that's awesome. I want to close us out here with uh, the question you probably have heard from other interviews uh, when you've listened, but what Ben show are you either on right now or do you just highly recommend for our listeners, you know, when they hop on Netflix or something like that? Um, I'm a big fan of, of a show called Love Island. Uh, it's actually based out of the United Kingdom. Um and it's on Hulu if you want to go watch that. It's kind of a dating reality show. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but I, <laughs> I, think, I think you'd be interested in, in it. Uh, it's, it's actually like pretty much a religion over there. Um, it's on every single night um, while the season's going on. So uh, that's something you can look forward to every night. <laughs> well, awesome. That's, that's something different than we've heard before. So that's great. Yeah. Great advice. <laughs> Well, Mac, thanks for coming on with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, hearing about JMU, hearing about your memories from Wilson. Uh, great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I really appreciate you guys doing this for the area. It's good to have something like this.
Oh, we appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank you. Okay, Leland, it's time to get personal in the D block. Let's talk about what is dominating your life. What is dominating my life? I went to the Nats game this weekend. I went Saturday night when they were playing the Braves. Nats jumped out early. They had a good Friday night with Strasburg pitching. They won. And then Saturday, they're scoring runs. They're up on the Braves. Everything's looking good. And then the bullpen comes in. And Rosen, uh, um, Rosenthal. Uh, Rosenthal comes in. And he gets the bases loaded with no outs. They take him out, and then immediately those runs are coming in. So he gets credited for those. He came into the game with an 18 ERA, and he left the game with it skyrocketing even higher. And I don't know if they're actually going to have time to calculate it because he was cut the next day. So that was an interesting development there. This is that same pitcher that started the season terribly where it was multiple games of appearances before he ever got anybody out. He... Got a big out Friday night. I guess they thought he was riding momentum. They were wrong. So they've cut him on Sunday. I don't necessarily like that guys are losing his job, but, man, he wasn't good. He really wasn't good. The other interesting thing about that game, the Braves starting pitcher, he got sent down to the minors after that game. So I did not see good pitching in the 13-9 game that I went to Saturday, but it was an exciting game to watch with plenty of offense. Um, And I like that Nats field. You know, I'm not a Nats fan, but I've gone to a couple games. I like the environment there. I think the crowd's pretty good. Um, the weather was great. The way we came, um, we rode into town on a bus, uh, specifically going for the game, so the traffic wasn't a problem for me. So it was a great night for baseball. And I, I if you've never been to that stadium, I say go. You know, if it's your team going in there, go see them, or just go catch a game because there's a lot going on in the area, a lot of infield, in stadium experience stuff that's really cool. And uh, it's a, and it's also can be a pretty good family environment. So I, I highly recommend it. It was a good time, and uh, it was a good. Yeah, I, I'd like Nats Park better if they turned it around about 180 degrees. And it, when you're looking out at the outfield, you could see some of the monuments and stuff. That would be kind of cool. But, you know, I'm sure there's a reason they did what they did. I mean, it is. I mean, honestly – when you're if you're sitting behind home plate, you are facing towards the capital and stuff. It's just there's been buildings built in the way now. Well, they, if you turn it around though, I think you can see the Washington Monument pretty clearly. Um Yeah, you can see it out of that side of the state. That'd be the only one you could see. Yeah. Well, it'd be better than seeing nothing. But um <laughs> so I actually flipped this game on and it was actually Fox Sports Baseball's um Game of the night, or maybe it was ESPN. No, it wasn't One ESPN. It was, it was Fox. It was Fox. It was Fox. Saturday Night Baseball. Yeah. Uh, after the Gold Cup game, I turned it on. I think on. Buck and uh, Smoltz were at the New York and the Astros game. Oh, thank goodness I didn't have to watch that. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I was watching the game, and you had texted, you know, Rosenthal, something about Rosenthal, and I flipped it over and was like, ooh, okay. And um, it was a good game. I enjoyed watching the end of it. Uh, and look, I think I think what you saw is a good offense is hard to hold down, especially with a bad bullpen. Yeah. And that's what happened. I mean, they gave up four in the seventh and four in the eighth. I mean, you're not going to win baseball games that way, Nats fans. So, yep. The Braves look good. I mean, I saw some good offense out of the young guys there, too. So it was fun to watch. So what's dominating my life is Good Omens. It's a show on Amazon Prime. Uh, I had listened to the audiobook on Audible 
on commutes to work. Uh, I watched the show. It's a little bit different. There are a few changes than the book, but overall, a really good show. I thought it was great acting performances. And uh, I, again, if you have Amazon Prime, you should watch it. It's pretty funny. The, the thing that I, the only really thing I know about the show is the commercials. And it really did stick with me. It's Amazon Prime showing good omens. You know, I pay attention to which thing's coming out. But apparently people that make petitions against shows don't necessarily pay attention to that because there was a petition started with signatures on it that was requesting Netflix to stop making good omens. So it was funny enough, it got tweeted that that existed and Netflix Twitter account uh, was spot on and said, you know what? Fair enough. We will, we won't make any uh, Amazon's good omens. And then lucky enough, Amazon Prime's Twitter page was going well, and they said, hey, good call, Netflix. If you guys stop making good omens, we'll stop making Stranger Things. So I appreciated those tweets and two competitors kind of laughing about something. I think the petition got adjusted, uh, but I just like what these people petitioning against things don't even know where it's being shown. They have Obviously, they didn't watch it to know that they hate it. They just signed a petition knowing they hate it, so... I can't imagine living that kind of life, petitioning something to get something taken off. When if you don't like it, you just don't watch it. Just and if enough people don't watch it, you know, if enough people don't watch it, guess what? They'll stop making the show. Exactly. Uh, But hey, guess what? When you start a petition, that makes people wonder why people are so mad, and then they'll watch the show. And hey, good for them. More interested than I was. Yeah, good because they'll watch a show that's pretty funny. And it's yeah. good. And there's nothing offensive in it. I don't get why people would be offended. If they actually took time to watch the show, they probably wouldn't be offended. I mean, just the concept of the show, like, I guess, hinted me towards why there's some some people that might not like it. But then it's a television show. It's not trying to say this is facts. It's a television program that's intended to be entertainment. So It's a funny show. And if you can't Look, if you don't like the show, you don't like the show. That's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you if you don't like the show. But if you're offended by the show, I don't know what to tell you. Get a hey, life. Hey, Joe, you haven't ranted about something that seems meaningless to me in a while. So okay. I really want to know something that I don't know that is just some stupid thing that you can rant about. Sure. So, look, <laughs> at this in this day and age when Democrats and Republicans can't come together on anything, I think they should be able to come together to get something done. And let's all agree to make it this. People who do the wave are banned from going outside ever again Um, and public places to view anything because they're a distraction. If you're doing the wave, you're a problem at a sporting event. Uh, You're just you're not there to watch the game. You're there to distract people who are watching the game and obstruct their view of watching the game because you're doing the wave. I've seen it in Omaha. Uh, It's it's offensive. I find it to be one of the most disgusting things I've ever watched uh, during games is when I'm watching it on TV or worse, if I'm at the game and someone's trying to do the wave. It's so stupid. No one thinks it's cool that is actually watching the sport. The other people who think it's cool are people who are there and not really interested in the game. Could you imagine if I went into a movie and let's say I was the movie wasn't for me, but I went because, you know, someone I was with wanted to watch the movie, but I was really bored and I thought the performances were terrible. And I just said, hey, guys, let's start the wave in the middle of the movie theater. What would the reaction be? Oh, really hostile? Oh, okay. Then let's please extend that courtesy to the sporting event when people are trying to watch other people perform a craft at a masterful level, and you're out here trying to be a chucklehead. 
It's so disgusting. The worst example of the wave was when I was at a JMU football game. And JMU is in a very close game against William & Mary. The crowd is screaming doing the wave while we have the ball. The quarterback is trying to get the crowd to be quiet, so he's flapping his arms in the gesture, the universal gesture to shut up. And yeah. the crowd... I'm an eagle. That's the, that's the mood. I'm yeah. an eagle. That means shut up. Yeah. Yeah, and the crowd keeps cheering. Well, the center thinks the motion means snap the ball. So he snaps the ball. It goes over the quarterback's head. We lose seven yards and our crowd is cheering because they're doing the wave and not paying attention to the game. It couldn't have summed up people who do the wave more than in that moment. That is everything that is wrong with the wave and everyone, everything that is wrong with people who do the wave. I wish MLB or not just MLB. I wish every team would take the stance. If they catch you doing the wave, you're ejected and banned for life. (laughs) Hey, half the stadium. Get the heck out of here. Yeah, Omaha, guess what? Congratulations. This is going to be an empty stadium now because you guys don't know how to act. Get out. What do you know that we need to know? (laughs) I mean, when you phrase it like that, if it's the whole stadium, like... Get out. Obviously, you're not really saying people should be ejected. But if it's the entire stadium, I think that's... And this is devil's advocate. I'll, I'll admit that. I don't really care about the wave. But... If it's the entire stadium taking part in it, like that's why the wave was created was to get everybody in, in the stadium to be in on the same thing. And so while you have your chants and your cheers that get everybody yelling at the same time, this is like a motion that gets everybody involved and it and it, it's done. Now, if it's done at a stupid time, I, I don't have any argument there, but I guess I don't really care either. And so this is a classic Joe rant about something that I really don't care one way or the other, if it happens or not. Here's the difference. The chanting and the singing is not physically obstructing anyone's view. The wave is actually disrupting someone's view. I guess I'm tall enough that that doesn't matter to me. Well, think of the kids. (laughs) Think of the children. Children are probably the ones that love it. All right, what do I know that you need to know? Man, this whole thing that came out this weekend, uh, end of the week, this weekend, about the Tampa Bay Devil Rays asking, or just Rays now, I guess they're not Devil Rays anymore. Someone probably had a petition. Uh, They actually Um, did. They they probably sent it to the National Football League instead. Um, The Rays come out and they say they're going to start looking into playing half their season in Tampa and half in Montreal. My first thought is this is just some kind of negotiation tactic and there's no way this happens. But I've listened to everybody talk all weekend and now I know that there's no chance that this actually happens. This is just this is just them blowing smoke about ways that they could not be in Tampa for as the whole season because they want to get their stadium deal done or they want to be let out early so they can leave. Just leave. That market That's does not deserve. Go to Charlotte. That, Why are we going that market does not once? deserve baseball. Go just leave. Well, I don't care if they go to Montreal, but just leave Tampa. And you know what, Miami Marlins? There once already. Why do they need another one? You know what, Miami Marlins? Leave Florida. Leave Florida with no baseball. That state does not deserve baseball. They haven't. And I know the Marlins aren't very good now, but even when the Marlins are good, they don't support them. The Rays are a great baseball organization, and those fans don't support them ever. It's so offensive that they can't get fans to their games. And, oh, well, it's in St. Petersburg. It's such a long drive. Oh, yeah, because what are you doing? Nothing. Think, Shut up. What a bunch of Tampa losers. Tampa is a great example of why don't ever put a baseball team in Vegas. Or, because yeah. everybody thinks, oh, these Tampa people, 
these retirees and people that move down here later in life are, you know, they've been going to Yankee games. They've been going to um, Phillies games or any East Coast major city. They've been going to those games. Although they'll go to the Tampa games. No, they don't. So don't where Vegas is all transplant or all people that um, are only there for the weekend. They're not going to go to the game. So don't ever put a baseball team in Vegas. But my whole argument is Tampa needs to move to Charlotte where they have a nice stadium that they could play in for a couple of years. I don't know if that's expandable or if they need to build a whole new stadium, but Charlotte seems like a place that needs a baseball team. Charlotte or Nashville, I think is your two most likely opportunities to expand or move relocate. If you're the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays should be Charlotte. I have faith. They'll put the stadium in the right spot or expand on what they have. That's already in the right spot. Nashville. I've always heard that they're landlocked where they can't, they need to get a if they're going to put a baseball stadium in it needs to be as close to that stretch of bars that they have in Nashville and excuse me for not knowing the names I've never been um they they got to get as close to that as possible so people can venture in for the game and then venture right back out to those bars i'm worried about that fitting for Nashville i don't know i think Nashville will be okay um charlotte i i would like to see a team in charlotte over nashville yeah. but i mean just get out of tampa they, they don't deserve a team. My last point that I want to bring up for the night, and I and it didn't fit into either one of ours, but Joe, how excited are you that the big three is back? You know, I flipped it on uh, when I saw it was on this weekend, and for about two minutes I was interested, and then I turned it off. I, I don't care. I wouldn't expect any different. All right, and that's it for our podcast this week. Thank you all for listening, Joe. Another uh, good week full of opinions. Some of them matter more than others. But I want to make sure everybody listening follows us on Twitter, subscribes, so the podcast comes straight to you every week. Make sure you tell your friends to subscribe as well. And maybe remind them that subscribing doesn't mean subscribing financially. It's just signing it up so it hits your phone every week. Uh, We are a free podcast. Um, to most people listening, there's some people that we'd like to charge and uh, we'll move <laughs> on forward with that. Uh, uh, thanks for listening this week. We'll be back next week. We'll start looking ahead at uh, high school sports for next year. Uh, as we leave this past school year behind us, we'll start looking ahead a little bit and uh, we'll have a more World Cup coverage next week, too, as hopefully our women are still playing. Yeah. And don't do the wave. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.